0: I look at this series as a, something significant, foundational. We're starting a series called Seven Fundamental Thing Things Every Christian Needs to Know. And really, the idea, the concept of this was birthed last year um, on Easter Sunday when we, when we asked you, all of you, to fill out a questionnaire. What are some of the things that you would like to hear messages on? And we, called it, uh, we did a series called You Ask For It. We did a series in response to those statements that you made. Um, but this was one of them that we couldn't answer in one week. The statement went something like this. Um, and by the way, this coming Easter, we'll do the same. We'll give the people uh, present on Easter Sunday an opportunity to submit some things that they would like to hear in the coming year. And we usually do it in a series called You Ask For It. Um, but here's, here's how the statement went. It went something like this. Um, would you consider covering some of the foundational principles of the Christian faith? And I began to look at that and I said, you know, it's been a while. We did a series uh, a year and a half ago called Old School and did some of the, the foundational principles there. But, um, you know, this stuff, even though it's old, can never get old. You know what I mean? Um, and we can never move past the fundamental things of the faith. And so today I want to talk to you about the cross. And if you look to my right, your whatever, up front in front of you, <laughs> you'll see this amazing cross that Leo Duty built before he uh, left town to go on a cruise with his lovely wife. And I so appreciate him filling this out. But today I want to talk to you about the cross. We'll do a few few messages, I believe, on the cross and uh, today I want to talk to you about the cross being a place of exchange, a place of exchange, and it'll make total sense to you, I hope, at the, by the end of the service. Um, but the reality is, I was, reading, I was reading so many things about the cross, just in preparation, trying to just lay a foundation in my heart again um, about this topic And and I came across a statement that was just amazing by a theologian. He said this, he said, the cross is the great jewel of the Christian faith. It's the great jewel of the Christian faith. I do know this, without the cross, there's no Christianity. You know, without the cross, there's no Christianity. So today, I want to start off by reading a passage from the book of Luke. It's It's a lengthy passage, bear with me. Uh, but it's, it's powerful related to Jesus going to the cross. And this will be the, the starting point as it relates to uh, this discussion today. So I want you to turn. You could turn in your Bibles, Luke 23. You can look in your app. There's also message notes there. Um, or you could follow along on the screen. The, the passages will be there as well. Luke 23, we're going to ver- start at verse 26. It says this. As the soldiers led him away... They seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and they put the cross on him. I mean, try and visualize this thing with your mind. I mean, here's a guy visiting the city of Jerusalem, and he's forced to carry the crossbar of the cross of Jesus Christ. I mean, this just innocent guy. His two sons were there, by the way, which we read in the book of Mark. So they put the cross on him, they made him carry it, Behind Jesus, it says, a large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. It must have been quite a scene. If you skip down to verse 32, it goes on to say, two other men, both criminals, were also led out. So there's this procession of people, this massive amount of people. Criminals were led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself, if he, if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar. And they said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly, I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, so he's already been on the cross three hours. Now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. Middle of the day, pitch black. It goes on to say in verse 45, for the sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. I mean, what a sight. What a sight this must have been. What a sight it must have been to experience watching the Savior of the world go to the cross. In fact, the passage we just read is loaded with accounts not even directly related to Jesus. You know, there's all these people watching that last verse, the last three words. The last few words of that passage said that these women stood at a distance watching these things. And let me tell you something. They weren't the only ones watching these things. You know, let me tell you, the eyes of the Father were watching these things. All of heaven were watching these things. Here's the Son of God crucified on a hill with a... Criminal on his left and a criminal on his right, there were many people, so many different people uh, uh, involved in this story, and they 're all watching these things. The eyes of some of his followers were watching. his mother was watching the criminals were watching the the palace guard the 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 uh, centurion were watching. There was we, we read accounts about the Pharisees and the chief priests mocking. They were watching. They were watching what was going on as they stood there in the shadow of the cross. And you know what I find interesting? All of these people, all of these accounts, all of these things going on and so many different reactions. So many different responses. I mean, there were people criticizing. There were people sympathizing. Uh, there, there's uh, Mary, the mother of, of Jesus, along with Jesus' disciple, John. He was one of the bold ones that ended up going to the cross. He's the only one that's mentioned as being at the cross. They're, they're, they're broken in their heart because of what? Is happening, you know Mary with with John, the disciple, and Jesus had a very specific task assigned to John the disciple at that time. At that time, Um, they understood what was going on to some degree, but I mean, here's there's there's people that didn't understand. Here's the 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 soldiers they're gambling for articles of clothing of the of the men that were crucified that day. You know, there's one of these thieves just standing there mocking him. There's another one sympathizing with him later on in the story. There's passers by just looking and, you know, uh, the crucifixion scene was not something new to the people outside of Jerusalem. But the response is so different. It's astounding to me how different um, People responded, and and the city was very busy at this time. It was it was the season of the Passover. Many people came in to Jerusalem. Um, Jesus, after he he had this uh, sentencing from Pontius Pilate, had to carry his cross from the Praetorium, which is sort of like the, the government or the governor's uh, area, up to this place of the skull. If you ever look at it on the internet. It looks like a skull because there's holes there and there's two big holes that look like eyes and a hole there that looks like a nose. And uh, that's, I mean, even today you could see it that way. And uh, from the Praetorium to to Golgotha is about a mile. And Roman torture methods was, we're going to make them walk the furthest, most grueling distance possible to get to that place of their crucifixion. And Jesus couldn't make it. The Bible tells us he fell down. And this guy from the crowd was forced to carry the cross the rest of the way, Simon. Right in front of his sons, Rufus and Alexander. That must have been an interesting uh, sight to see. But the, the, the city is abuzz with, with what's going on. The religious tradition and, and the religious festival. Um, a historian named Josephus said that there was about three million people in that city that day. Three million. And thereby you have these people, the passers-by, the mockers, the criticizers, the the curious, uh, and then those in mourning, and, and everyone in between. But I find it interesting that people can see the same event and respond differently. And we're like that too, aren't we? You know? We can see the same exact thing and respond differently to it. I'll give you an example. In my home, uh, we, we live uh, down a driveway, and part of the driveway is not, uh, is not paved. And during the winter time, this, this uh, driveway gets iced over, and it's inevitable, like a few days ago when we got that snowstorm Friday, that people are going to get stuck in my driveway. You know? <laughs> And it's interesting to watch what happens, because first of all, people come down not knowing that they're going to get stuck. You know, they come down, they don't know what's going to happen, and they just try and gun it and get out of there, and it doesn't happen. But the response is interesting, even from the people in my home. There are those that run to help. You see, the same thing happens time and time again. People get stuck on the ice. They're spinning their tires, trying to get out. If you've ever visited in the winter, you probably got stuck in my driveway as well. Uh, There's people that run to help, there's people that run for help, and there's people that run because they don't want to (laughs) help, especially when it's three o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning. The response to the same event solicits a different response every time. People respond differently to different things, and that's just a fact of life. That's a fact of life. That's just sort of a, an example in my world. People respond differently. Now, now the cross and, and the events leading up to and th- that weekend with the death, burial, and resurrection um, is, is the greatest event that ever took place in human history. It's the greatest event. Those six hours changed the course of human history forever. But I just can't get over the responses You know, for some that changed people's lives forever. For others, they they know about it. They looked at it. They watched it. They may talk about what they saw that day, but it didn't change them. You know what I mean? It didn't didn't have an effect on them. And so um, I say all that. As I lead up to some of the points that I want to share with you today is this. I don't know about you, but I want to be aware. I don't want to be a casual observer of the events of the cross. I I don't want to be one whose head is full of knowledge of the cross, but it has no effect on my life. You know what I mean? I I don't want to be the one that can talk about it, you know, uh, uh, but I'm not changed by it. And so as we begin this series today, I want to just bring this short message from the mindset of, listen, you may be aware of the cross, the events of the cross, what happened in the cross, but has it changed you? Are you living in that reality today? Are you living in the reality that the cross is a place of great exchange for you every day of your life? It's not an event that you pray this little prayer and, it, you know, it, you're good now. You've got a ticket to heaven. It's not about that. It's about changing your life today. And so I have four uh, examples of how the cross is a point of exchange for us. But before I get to that, these people, they were watching closely the events of that day. And the reality is the cross sends a visual message to all of us. The cross sends a visual message to all of us. I, I don't know. Isn't the cross beautiful? I mean, come on. It's, it's amazing. I love what God has done through the cross. And we see this, this vertical beam here. This, the, the message that that sends to me is this. That I can approach God. God. That God has made a way for me. It's, 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 a, it's a beam that's pointing up to heaven. That God is, is accessible. That this is, this is uh, the way that Jesus fixed this great chasm between mankind and God. Mankind in his, in his and her desperate sinfulness. And God in his ultimate holiness. Holiness. It's through the cross, through this this vertical beam on the cross, that that God, through Jesus Christ, bridged the gap to say, I know you're sinful and I know I'm holy, but I've got a plan. And his son son hung on the cross. His son hung on a cross for us. Because the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That portrays our sinfulness. But then it says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his, his son, his only son, and whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. You know, he could have left us in our sinfulness. He could have left us in our separation from God. But no, he had a plan to fix our sinful problem without, without uh, sacrificing justice and his holiness at the same time. He sent a perfect sacrifice in His Son, so, so we have this access to God. The, ver- the vertical beam talks to me about the vertical, about the access that we have to God, about his, his approachability, about the fact that he's made a way for us. He made a way for me. He made a way for my family. He's made a way for your situation, you know. He's made a way for us. And it doesn't only speak uh, vertically, but it also speaks horizontally. There's a visual message related to this, this horizontal beam that we see here. And um, uh, just, just the power of the cross is sometimes overwhelming to me, but he made a way for us to live a new way. You know? He, he's made a way for us to live a new life. He's made a way for us to, to uh, experience forgiveness. And, and through the, the forgiveness, the healing. Um, the encounter we have with God, that carries over to our relationships. You know, we encounter forgiveness. If we encounter forgiveness, we can give forgiveness away. If we encounter love, we can give that love away. You know, uh, and so there's this this uh, we, we've experienced a new beginning. We could help people lead. We could help lead people into a new beginning in their lives. The horizontal beam relates to relationships, connectivity, you know, and and I could approach others from a different standpoint because I've experienced forgiveness from God, you know. Uh, I could approach relationships differently because I'm different after experiencing the cross, you know. I don't have to be the same. I don't have to have the same kind of relationships after encountering the cross. Encountering the cross. I, don't, I don't speak to people the same way. You know? I don't, I don't think about people the same way. I don't live in bitterness or anger or frustration or unforgiveness toward people anymore because I've encountered forgiveness myself. You get what I'm saying? It just paints this beautiful picture of how we relate to God and how we relate to others. I want you to see that. I want you to remember that. That those that experience the love of God can give that love away. The forgiveness of God can give the forgiveness, that forgiveness away. Maybe you've experienced a miracle from God. And that miracle could be given away, you know. Maybe God will use you to bring about a miracle in somebody else's life. And so at the cross, there's this powerful, powerful exchange that takes place. That we all need to know and be reminded of. The first one is this. He exchanges our sinfulness for his righteousness. It's at the cross. It's at the cross. You know, I, I'm around people all the time. And I hear people who shouldn't be talking like this talk like this. They, you know, they've been in the faith for a while. They've been believing God for a while. They've been following Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior for a while. But they always demean themselves by saying, well, I'm just a sinner anyway. You know, that's all I am is a lousy, dirty, nasty sinner. And the Bible calls you a saint. The Bible calls you a son or a daughter of God. The Bible tells us that there's this exchange that has taken place, that what we were, we are no longer. We don't have to live with that mindset anymore. That we're nothing. We are something before God. We are something because of God. We are something because of what God has done for us. Nothing we have done for ourselves. God has made us great in his eyes. He's calling us a son or a daughter, a prince, a princess. Come on. I mean, the greatness of God is all over his creation, especially in those who call him father. And so this exchange takes place. Sinfulness, our sinfulness for his righteousness. I want you to see a passage in Second Corinthians 5. It just speaks to this directly. Verse 21 says this. God made him who knew or had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The one who had no sin became sin. Why? So that we could become righteous. You see that? This exchange, this powerful exchange. Maybe you came in today and you're, you're thinking, you know, oh, I messed up again and woe is me and your shoulders are slooped down and you're looking at the ground because, you know, you're beating yourself up and the enemy is just helping with that and he wants to drive you into the ground and grind you to nothing. And the reality is, no, that's not who you are. Jesus said, I give you my righteousness. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is amazing. This is because of the cross. A great exchange has taken place. So at the cross, an offer is waiting for all of us. There's an offer waiting. This man who was perfectly in right standing before God, whose blood was never stained by the disease of sin, says, I'll take your sinfulness, and I'll give you my righteousness. Deal? And we have a choice to make. I, I, we can walk away saying, man, before God, I, I'm like Jesus. You know, Jesus who never committed any sin. Do you think his father looked at him with joy? Do you think his father looked at him with favor? Do you think his father was proud of him? If we, if we accept that exchange... That's the way our Father looks at us. I mean, this can revolutionize our mindsets toward God, the great exchange, my sinfulness for his righteousness. It'll change the way we live. It'll it'll cause us to have a skip in our step, you know? Instead of dragging our feet all the time, uh, God's mad at me again. God loves you. You are his joy. He's in a good mood because of Jesus. Amen. He's working some stuff in us, isn't he? Yeah. You know, he's trying to change our heart. He's, he's helping us grow in him. But what a great exchange. Listen to me. You may be feeling down today because of your sin, but at the foot of the cross, in the shadow of the cross, an exchange took place that can change everything for you. That's the first one. The second one. Another exchange, our curse for his blessing. Yeah, so you know, sin brought about a curse from the beginning. God in chapter 3, after Adam and Eve made their decision, you know, to eat from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they weren't supposed to do that. And God begins to pronounce a curse on mankind. You fast forward some into the book of Deuteronomy. There's all these curses. I think chapter 28 of Deuteronomy has like 55 curses, but there are 14 blessings that are blessings beyond your wildest dreams. And it's God's desire that we walk in blessing. But the sin thing has to be dealt with, the sin thing has to be done away with. And when it's done away with in our lives, we accept that exchange. We can walk in those blessings. I mean, you you may be familiar with them, but Deuteronomy 28, check them out someday. It's like you're going to be blessed in the country. You're going to be blessed in the city. Your barns are going to be, your storehouses are going to be overflowing, you know, and and just blessing after blessing after blessing. I want to walk in that myself. You know what I mean? I want to walk in that myself. I want to claim those promises for me. And it said that these blessings are for those who know me and follow me and obey me. What a great exchange. What a great offer that he makes available to us. You know, you know the curse of sin brought about all, all the kinds of things that we complain about. You know, sickness, disease, poverty, jealousy, rage, death, all decay. You know, these are the kind of things that we don't, we don't want to experience, do we? And so in Galatians, we see this powerful statement. Galatians chapter 3. Starting in verse 13, it says this. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Now, the law wasn't the curse. It was the breaking of the law that was the curse. But he became a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole or on a tree. And it goes on to say, he redeemed us. Why? Why? In order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. Come on. Why did he he redeem us? Because he wants us to walk in blessing. And he accomplished that through the cross. You see, the great exchange. Our sinfulness for his righteousness. Our curse for his blessing. Here's the next one. Our brokenness for his healing. You may be here today down, depressed, disheartened. Broken in body, broken in spirit, emotionally distraught, your mind not working right, confused, fearful, whatever it is. This, is. this is the exchange that he made at the cross for us, our brokenness for his healing. In Isaiah 53, we see this powerful statement. It says this, verses 4 and 5, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. See, these words speak of exchange. He he took them up. He took them. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced. Why? For our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. That's a whole message in and of itself. But he wants you to have peace. So he got punishment. He, he wants us to be healed, so he took wounds. He took stripes for us. There's, there's so much that God has made available to us. I do not want to be a casual observer. I don't want to be filled with head knowledge about what God supposedly did for me, but, but not live in it. Are you getting me? See, this is a foundational truth of the cross. We need to know this. We need to live in the reality of this. Here's the last point I want to make today. The last exchange. There's many more, but I'm, I just chose four. Our death for his life. In Romans 6.23, we read this. Excuse me. <clears throat> Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. How many work in this place? You got a job. You get wages, right? You're paid. You're paid. You, 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 get, you get paid for working, Right? And you want that check to come. you're not working for nothing. That's your payment, right? Well, here we see this passage that says, the wages or the payment for sin is death. What we deserve because of sin in our lives is death. And the Bible says that we are, we are dead. We were dead in our transpa, transpa, excuse me, I can't say trespasses. We were dead in our trespasses before Jesus Christ. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Our death for his life. What a great exchange. Our death for his life. I feel like uh, this, this, this message is foundational in the sense that many of us sitting here today may know some of these things, but they are not a reality in our lives. We may be aware of the goodness of God. We may be aware... Of the power of the cross. We may be aware of the fact that Jesus did great things for us. But what good are they if we're not living them? What good are they if we're not experiencing them in our lives? You know what I mean? I mean, it's just more knowledge. We could be a wealth of worthless information if it doesn't mean anything to us. Or we could be living this out. And so I introduce to you again the cross. It's the place where Jesus accomplished great, great things for each and every one of us. It's not some symbol, you know. Uh, I was reading something this week that said we live in a crossless generation. There's more crosses out there around people's necks and tattooed on people's bodies and shirts that they wear and all that stuff. But the cross has little meaning to many people. And that's why I want to reintroduce you to the cross. The power of God unto salvation. It changed everything for us. Without that six hours, we wouldn't be here today. Christianity wouldn't exist today. It is the foundation. It's the gem of the Christian faith. And so let's go back to the observer concept. Listen to me. As Jesus hung on that cross that day, there were very few that took note and it mattered that he was on that cross. There were very few... That were changed by the fact that he was on the cross that day. Most people went home. They did their same old things. They were never transformed by that day. By what they observed. By what they experienced. Oh the story is is replete with all kinds of people. You know. Disciples. His mom. uh, The soldiers. the, The Pharisees. The chief priests. All kinds of people are in the story. The other thieves are in the story. Simon carried the cross. But very few, as far as record goes, seem to have been changed by that moment. And I say all that to say this. We need to be changed by the power of the cross. We need to be changed. You know, we we live this life and there's so much that Christ has to offer. But we say, yeah, I know about the cross. I prayed and accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. But are you living in the power of the cross today? Are you experiencing his power in your life? Are you really alive? He said, I have come that you may have life and life to the full. Are you pursuing the healing that he's made available to you? Mind, body, and spirit. You know, are you walking in righteousness in the mindset that you are righteous before a holy God? Or are you walking as this, with this little pity party like, you know, I can't seem to do this. Christianity is so hard, you know. The defeatist mindset. He has given us victory through the cross. He's given us victory through the cross. So I don't know about you, but I've decided I don't want to be a casual observer. I don't want to be one that, you know, glances an eye and says, Oh, that poor guy up there, you know, pity, I pity him. I heard he was a good guy. I heard that he didn't even do anything wrong. I heard that it was the religious folks that put him up there. Listen to me. The cross can change us. The cross can change us here and now. And it is whatever you need. He's made a way for you to have it in Jesus' name. Would you stand to your feet? I'm praying that we have an encounter with the reality of the cross of Jesus Christ again. I'm praying that it, 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 it sinks deep down within us. That we, we fall within the shadow that is cast by that cross. That that, that that thing is something that we cling to. And, and if it's a literal sense, it's a literal sense. But I'm talking about the fact of what was accomplished there for us. I'm clinging to those promises. I'm clinging to what he accomplished. I'm clinging to the goodness of God for my life. It's my prayer that you say, you know what? I've, lived in, I've been living in subpar Christianity. You know? I, I've... Uh, you know, I've been, I've been doing the, the Christian thing, but I'm not experiencing the power in my life. If that's you, man, shoot, make a choice today. Maybe you need to spend some time at the foot of the cross, under the shadow of the cross. But I'm telling you, make a choice to be different because of what Jesus Christ did for you. To receive it in your heart, to apply it to your life, to apply it to your family. He is a good, good God. He's a good God. He has great things for us. He wants to encounter, he wants us to encounter his blessings in our lives. Amen. And if you're here today that you've never taken that first step, first step toward Jesus Christ to say, you know what? I want to receive what you've made available to me. I want to receive that life. I, I, I want my sins to be forgiven. I want to take on your righteousness. If that's you today, today is a great day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Amen. Today is a great day to say, I want what you have for me. In fact, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ and you say, today, I want what God has for me, I've, I've never given my life to him or I'm coming back to him today, would you just raise your hand real quick? Today is my day. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Amen. I see a couple hands up there. If you've already done that, I'm, I'm not trying to ask you to do that again. If you're saying, I want to come back to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I'm going to include a prayer for you, but for the rest of us, let's let's decide in our hearts today, even this week. Maybe I don't know about you, but in my phone I put reminders. You know, I put reminders of each day, uh, some things that I need to do. Maybe you need to remind yourself to spend some time meditating on on the cross of what Jesus Christ did. You know, maybe you need to remind yourself that that to ask God to make that real for you again. I don't want to be a casual observer, and I hope that you decide that you're not going to be as well, that this is, becomes real and powerful in your life. Amen. I want to pray for you. Father, today, Lord, we, 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 uh, as we initiate, as we start this series, God, we want to fix our eyes on the cross. We want to fix our eyes on the goodness of God. Lord, we don't want this to be meaningless We don't want the cross in our lives to be something that we're aware of but not experiencing its power in our lives, God. It's the power of God and the salvation to them that believe. And so, Lord God, we thank you for the power of the cross. We thank you that Paul said, I preach Christ, Christ crucified. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so, Lord God, this week, Father God, I pray that you remind us that even as we read the scriptures, as we meditate upon your goodness, as you speak to us, God, focus us, refocus us on what really was done for us, God, that we don't live subpar Christianity, but we live in the power of God, that our, our, our faith is alive and well, strong in you, and I give you the praise for it right now. I bless your people. I speak your blessing your richest blessings over them, God. May they see your goodness in their lives, God. And I give you all the praise right now in Jesus' name. Amen.